Welcome to episode number one of the Humble Hemorrhaholic Podcast. Today, I had the great fortune to travel from the blustery cold winter of Wisconsin to the more seasonably appropriate state of Kentucky to join members of the American Daylily Society's Region 10 at their midwinter symposium in Bowling Green, Kentucky. If you haven't been, you need to attend this event. It was fantastic. While there, I had the incredible opportunity to sit down and talk with some of the movers and shakers in the daylily world at the national level. In this episode, I was able to sit down and bend the ear of Nikki Smith, Region 2 Director, most recent past American Daylily Society President, and the current Chief Financial Officer for ADS. This firecracker of a personality did not disappoint, and I walked away much more knowledgeable. The more you know, the more you grow. And I really feel I got to know her as Nikki, the person, not just Nikki, the daylily lover. Sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation. Thank you for downloading the Humble Hemorrhaholic Podcast, where you get to know the people that make daylilies come to life. This is a show to help you get to know the people that share a common love for the genus Hemorrhacalis, or more commonly known as the daylily. We will be discussing a wide variety of topics with daylily leaders, hybridizers, and individuals that simply share a love of the daylily. Along the way, we'll discuss hybridization, different aspects of the American Daylily Society, regional topics of interest, local club topics, gardening basics, trends, and challenges. If you're an emerging or seasoned daylily enthusiast, enjoy gardening in general, or just share a love of podcasts, I sincerely hope that you will enjoy the insights our guests will bring to this podcast. My name is Rhonda Verovin, and I will be your host on this fun adventure. Um, I thought maybe we would just start getting to know you. You know, I think people see you in the daylily world and they make a lot of assumptions and they know, hey, that's Nikki. But who really is Nikki? You know, not President Nikki, not regional President Nikki, not all of these secretary, whatever positions, Nikki. Who are you? Let's let people find out a little bit about who you are as a person. I ask myself that every day. Who am I? Um, it's hard sometimes. You know, I do fill a lot of roles by choice, uh, and it's a lot of fun. But Nikki, at the end of the day, when Nikki's not wearing any hats at all, I think she is. Um, she's simple. She's introverted. Um, she is. Um, she's a lot of fun in her own head. Anyway, um, I've been married for 19 years. We have one son, Carter, who's 13. And pretty much anyone in the daylily world has followed uh, Carter's adoption as a baby um, when he came into our lives in 2005, and has grown up in daylily shows and in gardens and on more tractors of famous daylily people than I care to mention. Um <laughs> I'm a wife and I'm a mom and I'm a competitive daylily exhibitor. Uh, daylily shows are really kind of my niche or my passion in this little 
corner of the world, but I am, um, I have a master's degree. I did my undergrad at Florida State and did my master's at the University of Michigan. And by training, I guess I'm an educator, um, but I work for Ford Motor Company in purchasing now. So I still have a, a corporate job or a real job, as I like to say. I think daylilies take up more hours in my day than my real job does sometimes. But Nikki, in a nutshell, is 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 that, you know, my family, I'm an only child. My husband's an only child. My son is an only child. Um, we're a small, a small, tight-knit group of folks. But but I'm really a, an introverted extrovert. I think that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> it is hilarious <laughs> that you did that because I just wrote an article for our um, Wisconsin Daylily Society journal. The um, I'm trying to remember the exact title, but it had something to do with the extroverted introvert. Oh yeah, that yeah. you know because I had to go to Mecca without my close knit small group oh, of I people. See. Yeah, and I am not. You know, I, I think people think I'm this vivacious, like crazy wild woman, and I'm very much the shy, keep it, yeah, you know, yeah, and, and I'm an observer. And so I find it really funny because I would never know that about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a, a lot of my undergrad work is also in theater. I do training for Ford, I cut videos for 30,000 automotive employees all over the globe. So you get into a space of performance, um, which also drags me into a lot of the other hats that I wear. Absolutely. Um, but but at heart, you know, I don't think public Nikki is is much like private Nikki at all. It's it, not at all. And if you come to my house, I think a lot of people who have come to visit the garden or who have seen me in my natural habitat, if you will, um, <laughs> you know, I have had the occasion where I've met daily people in other areas of my life. For instance, um, a lot of uh, several ladies, um, shout out to Renee if she's listening. Hi, Renee. Um, a friend of mine um, who works at Ford um, became a daily addict from just hearing me at work or looking at pictures. And so like Renee, who knows work, Nikki, sees as she became uh, a member of AHS and got AHS journals, she gets to see two sides of Nikki because there's corporate Nikki. And then she sees Daylily Nikki, who's in the garden and up to her elbows in dirt or in the bucket of someone's tractor or doing an auction, you know, so it's those people who have had the opportunity to see me in both of my lives do they definitely see the difference. Definitely. And they're both real. They're just both only applicable at certain times, you know, it's like two sides, of, two sides of Nikki. So it's and it's uncomfortable a lot that side of my personality. I'm extremely private, um, extremely private, you know, with emails that I send phone calls that I make promises that I make um, decisions that I make, you know, I'm not a I'm fiercely private sometimes. And that uh, has conflict when you serve public roles, you know, because my line of private, as I have learned, uh, is no one else's definition of private. Um, I've had strange daylily people show up at my house unannounced. There in, is no such thing as a strange daylily person. Oh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are. There are. Especially strange, angry daylily people who knock on my door to discuss a contentious issue. Strange daily people who have driven more than two hours to knock on my door unannounced to discuss a contentious daily issue. And that's an oxymoron in itself. The words contentious daily issue um, is funny, 
you know, it is because flowers are fun. Flowers are fun. And when does it stop being fun? Let's hope it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. We can we can cover that later. <laughs> yeah, that could be another episode, I think. <laughs> so I, I'm going to transition us just a little bit to... Um, so many people know my story and how I get to Daylily World. You know, how how I found Daylilies was completely by accident. You know, I was an iris lover. I had fields of irises and I just mm. absolutely loved them. Irises were my first love. And I mean, my email address has yes. purple irises in it. Yes, because, it does. <laughs> and it's kind of funny being the president of the Wisconsin Daylily Society with purple irises as an email. But, you know, I... Sorry, I know that my boss is going to be listening, but you know, I skipped work and I went to, <laughs> well, he's not my current boss, like you, but I skipped work and um, took a mental health day basically. And I think more people need to do that for themselves. And I went yard sale, I went to garage sales and I happened upon a plant sale. And wouldn't you know it, I walked up and met my best girlfriend. At, at that moment? At that moment. Oh, my I'm, gosh. Yes. And we walked her garden and instantly, yeah, instantly we started talking about plants and flowers. And she's like, oh, my goodness, you need to join this garden club. And so, of course, you know, you got to just go with the flow and you got some new friends and you do what you got to do. You had a new baby and all this stuff. And look so, at the serendipity. You like meet your future best friend at a place you're not supposed to be. I know, right? Looking at flowers that you don't <laughs> currently collect. Exactly. And so it's super cool. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And she said, oh, you have to come with me to this big daylily sale, which I know you've been there. You've oh, been the to our- <laughs> sale. I have been to the sale. I have worked at the sale. It's yes. pretty spectacular, isn't it? I mean, little plug that it oh, is a pretty great. And that's a podcast all on its own. It will the be. The Wisconsin sure. Daylily Society sale. Yes. Amen. Um, so it's funny how people get there. You know, I went to a meeting and this group of people just welcomed me. And then finally, after I got into it a little bit, I went to a regional meeting, a midwinter meeting, like the one we're at now. And the more people I meet, you know, the more I know, the more I grow. And I I got hooked. And so these these silly things called yep. daylilies, they just bring you to different places, right? They do. So how in the heck did you get here? Uh, again, I ask myself that every day. <laughs> um, so I saw um, there have always been ditch lilies growing on every property uh, that my grandparents or my aunts or my mom and my mom's always been a perennial gardener and she'd have her girlfriends come over. And as I was a kid, I, it, my mom's friend Anne would come over, for instance, and Anne would say, well, let's go walk the yard. And so Anne and my mom would walk around outside in the yard and they'd point at plants and, you know, they'd have fun walking around out there. So I kind of always saw that. And about 1990, my great aunt passed away and I inherited her home. And this was a woman that I had grown up with. My mom worked when I was a young child. So between my great aunt and my grandma, they watched me as a young, young, young toddler. And when I inherited her home, it was in the winter. And when spring came, this probably six foot by four foot square by this old cinder block porch on the side of the house, all of these little green turtle heads started coming up along the mm. side of the porch. And they were the daylilies. Yeah. And as they started sprouting more, I started seriously having memories of those flowers as a kid that I had forgotten. And so then the daylilies bloomed and I was like, right, those are those orange plants. Well, 
fast forward about two years, I'm walking through Alton Square Mall. Shout out to Kathy Pincus and the Granite City Daylily Society at <laughs> Hi, the time. Kathy Pincus. <laughs> um, they were having a daylily show at the mall. And so unsuspecting mall walker, I catch this flower display out of the side of my eye. There are a few folks walking around the aisles of daylilies that are wonderfully organized on these tables. And those of you who have been to a daylily show, you know the quiet time when judging is going on for a show. You know, no one's in there with the judges. But in a mall, you can't have the doors closed. So this judging is going on just behind ropes and stanchions there in the mall. Well, I am very interested at what I'm seeing there at the show at the mall. And it's a public place. And so I walked up to the edge of the stanchion that has the show <laughs> roped off. And I'm like, Psst, hey, excuse me, excuse me, what's this one right here? Does this one have a name? What is this one? And the judges, you know, turn and I bet they were mortified. Oh, just like, who is this uncivilized person talking to us while we're judging? It was not a good reception. I think it's hilarious now because I'm an exhibition judge and a judge's instructor and I've judged dozens of shows and I think it's funny now that to think of someone who would be interrupting that process in a public place I would take that person and give them a big hug and then tell them everything they needed to know but at that show one of the judges um, politely came over and she's like can I help you (laughs) yes what's that one right there it was a tiny perfectly formed little speck of a black daylily the darkest blackest Blackest, purplest, grapiest, merlotest daylily. And it was unlike anything else on the table. And she said, well, that's Brookwood Black Kitten. Oh, I was wondering if you were going to say that. And I said, oh, well, that's adorable. And she said, look, honey, come back in about an hour and you can come in here and look through all these tables. So I did. And my mom was with me and my mom's neighbor was with me. And we went back through and it was great. Um, They gave me a flyer about the Daylily Society. and at that time, so I was I was 20, almost 21, um, in the midst of college, you know, and just inherited this home that, you know, I, I didn't quite have my own garden yet. And the woman who gave me the brochure said, call me next week and I'll get you some daylilies and you can, you know, get started. And I said, and that was Dolores Borisaw. Hi, Dolores. Hello, Dora. <laughs> Dolores. Dolores, all of you who wonder, you know, why I'm here, Dolores is the reason why Nikki Smith continues to be involved in daily. She's the one who got me involved, I guess, on a society level. She gave me uh, four or six varieties, um, Tanny and Golden Scroll and, um, wow, May May and a few, oh, Matt was one of the daylilies she gave me. And so I called Dolores the following week and I said, Dolores, I would like 20 more dollars of daylilies. Can I come by and get more daylilies? She's like, oh, sure. What kind of daylilies do you want? And I said, well, oh, I don't care. You know, whatever you whatever you want to sell. You know, well, she, she said, do you like yellow or do you like pink? You know, what what do you like? And I said, oh, anything. You know, and everyone in the daylily world has said, oh, anything. I like them all at least oh, once. Oh, at least 5,000 times. Yeah, so... 
Dolores said, well, you're going to have to get a little bit more specific. And I said, no, really, whatever you have, just, you know, I've got 20 bucks to spend. Just give me a couple of little pieces. And I was just so enamored with the little tags that she wrote with all of this data, you know, that at that point I didn't really understand, but I still have some of those tags that she gave me. So it all started with inheriting a home, remembering spending time in a garden as a child, and then having somebody who was active in their inspiration of me. Somebody who said, here is a piece of paper, recognized that there was an interest and came out of their inward looking attitude of this Mm -hmm. is our community and she's new and she doesn't know anything. She was very welcoming. So it it took a combination of those three things. Um, And then before I knew it, uh, Kurt Hansen and... uh, Heidi Douglas, she was not Heidi Douglas yet at that time, but (laughs) when Heidi um, was retiring from doing the Region 2 Winter Symposium auctions, and now we're in like, now we're probably maybe 98, 97, 98, the end of the 90s, Heidi said, I had met Heidi at, you know, some regional events, and but I had never done any regional work. And so I blame all of my administrative responsibilities on Kurt Hansen and and Heidi Douglas for for at least bringing me into that fold and showing me that work was needed and work was accepted and new ideas were accepted and and effort was appreciated and so that doing that auction uh, for the region 2 winter symposium was my first big do for the Daily Society. Fantastic. I find it, it is their fault. I find it hilarious that both of our experiences happened upon serendipity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You you were in the mall. (laughs) And who would put... Absolutely, yeah. Daily yeah. show right spank in the middle of a mall. And uh, yeah, that's how And so I have to know, do you grow... Brookwood Black Kitten. I not only grow it, I have one best in show with it and have <laughs> placed on the head table of, of with Brookwood Black Kitten four different times. Yes. In It's been on my wish list for years. Yep. So I need to acquire this. So Absolutely. We might have to talk. We might yeah. Have to talk. It was, it was, uh, I busted up. I had two very large clumps of it in my garden. I sold it in my sale this last fall. Um, and I think I sent 22 divisions out all over the country. Yeah. So, I mean, it is. It's worthy of getting any of the Brookwood daylilies. Um, I grow several of them, and they they are serious show plants. Serious show plants. And it's fantastic that you saw it first at a mall. Yeah, in, <laughs> in 1990. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was early the early 90s. I'd have to check the exact year, but it was it was early 90s. Wonderful. Yeah. So we know that that one caught your eye. Yeah. What are your favorites now? What are I? You know, obviously. Things change. Your interests change. Now you would not say, "Oh, just give me anything." I would not. I would not. <laughs> so, what do you what do you go for now? What are your favorites? I go for in general. Um, in general, I go for plants with incredible color saturation and conversational characteristics. Ooh, what um, do you mean by that? I mean that my garden um, is a place of conversation. I don't live on, I live in a normal city, suburb type new development. Me too. Um, It's a normal, normal size backyard. I do not grow daylilies in long rows. It's not a farm. It's not a large operation. And so, but I grow over 500 cultivars in my garden along with 
hundreds of other accent perennials and container plants. And so when you walk through my garden, and I last year, um, almost 200 people signed the guest book that came through my garden. So I do have I love that you have a guest book. Yeah, lots of open garden days. And then you can know, you know, who comes and you can send thank you notes because that's the most important part of a garden visit for the visitor mm-hmm. and for the gardener. I would agree. Um, I think the people who come to my garden, it's about having a conversation when you're there. So all of the cultivars that are in my garden are conversation pieces in the fact that I can stand in front of any cultivar that's planted in my garden and have a conversation about it. It's not just another yellow. It's not another large orange unusual form. It's not another double. It's it's the best seven-inch cream daylily in the genre. You right. know, I want the best large. I want the best seven-inch pink double on the market. I don't want four pink doubles. I want the, the pink double. And okay, if there's two, maybe I have two. But the point of my garden is a is a tapestry. It's a it's a progression of a conversation. It's mm-hmm. a progression of life. You know, I'm I think I'm starting my husband and I figured out I'm starting my 25th year of growing daylilies in a wow, serious way. Fantastic. Yeah, 25 years and so, I mean and people have 60 years, so you oh, know, right. I'm a baby in most cases, but and I have a tiny collection compared to most, but in my garden I have to do I have to do what I can do, and that's about it's a about having a conversation in that small place. And so I like color saturation and I like distinctive characteristics. Either it has exceptionally high bud count or it has um, a weird set of sepals that do a certain thing that say, oh, look at this distinguishing characteristic. Like I want to be able to stop or be standing at any point in my garden and be able to relate a story or to be able to point at something and have some small talk, you know, so everything real estate's at a prime in my yard. So everything earns its place. So I look for eye catchers. Um, What I breed for, I do a little hybridizing. I've introduced, I don't know, 15 or so of my own daylilies. And the daylilies that I have introduced and the daylilies that I seek out to add are those that perform as well outside as they perform inside. So if I want to cut escape, all of the daylilies that grow in my yard are growing there. They're in a stable to be a thoroughbred performing in a show. Everything that's in my yard is being cultivated, cared for, and curated to someday win a best in show. That's like, that's what happens in my garden. You know, so if I can't cut that scape and have it perform in a show, then I usually don't have it in the yard because I... I want to do something with those plants. So some daylilies will never make it to that goal because they bloom too late or they bloom right. too early. Right. But I still grow them because I have been known to drive more than four hours to exhibit in a show. <laughs> so if your show is in the South and it's four weeks before my show, oh, well, I've got things that bloom early. I'll be there right. with my yeah. things. You know, I don't just pick things in peak because sometimes what's peak bloom for me if I take it to the show, it's already the scape is already past fifty percent of its buds, and that makes it past peak. Right. So, I I look for daylilies that perform in shows, and to do that, I use my exhibition judges training to evaluate the cultivars that I buy. Fantastic! So that's how do I get you there. have any that you keep that maybe wouldn't meet that bar, but either for you know 
a relationship or, you know, like I have a friendship bed and they're not all the best day lilies, but do you have any that just have that sentimental value that you keep? Or very is, few. Okay. <laughs> very few. Just because I, it would be more dangerous if I had more land. Um, you know, I'm more sentimental about my seedlings um, just because I I don't do 10,000 seed a year. Mm-hmm. I don't do 1,000 seed a year. I do very deliberate crosses that for a very deliberate result, you know, and as anybody who hybridizes daily, and I don't consider myself a hybridizer. I'm not a scientist. I'm a painter of pollen. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> I like claim that. any artistic. <laughs> yeah. Being artistic. I don't claim any scientific knowledge and at all um, in that vein of hybridizing, but I do very specific crosses. And some of those seedlings um, I have had for seven or eight years and they would never um, and some of them have never, although they've been taken to shows um, as judges evaluate seedlings that are brought to shows that that bar of evaluation is a little different. Yes. Um, And so sometimes seedlings that myself as a senior exhibition judge and a judge's instructor, I would evaluate at a higher standard, not because I bred it, just because I'm using the point, the standard of points that are provided to me and the daily would score X. Um, Not all judges, unfortunately, although their training requires them to use a standard scale of points to judge, most judges judge off gut. Unfortunately. Well, and I think you have to train yourself to not do that. You do. I think you just naturally go to what you like or what's comfortable. And so you have to be. And those prejudices, those biases and those prejudices are specifically prohibited for exhibition judges, different from garden judges, because as a garden judge, you can have biases and personal preferences. But at exhibitions, you cannot. Right. um, Because the, the registrant gives you the standard by which the flower is judged. I was given that that daylily is supposed to be six inches, 28 inches tall, six-way branching with 45 buds. And if it's on the show bench and it's got two, two-way two branching with 20 buds and the flowers, I mean, you, you evaluate against a standard. So there's very little room for interpretation except when it comes to seedlings. Right. Because... 25% of the allotted points in the standard scale of points is for something called distinction. And everybody evaluates that differently. And I won't go down that rabbit hole too much because that's a whole class by itself. Yes. But you take those tw- that 25%. If somebody doesn't find what's distinct, and it doesn't always have to be distinct about the face, maybe it has six-way branching and 60 buds. That's a point That's, of distinction. That is a point of distinction. I maybe would love to grow some of those. <laughs> yeah, and maybe it's six foot tall. Right. Maybe it has a black underside on the petals. Maybe all of when all the petals in se- when all the segments open up, maybe all of their backsides turn a dark maroon. I don't know what it does. But Or the buds might be. Maybe color. the buds are right. black. Maybe maybe the buds are white. Mm-hmm. Maybe And so a lot of that distinction um, can't be determined by just one scape on one day. So in my garden, I gravitate toward conversation starters and saturation. Color is the most important part to me. All my daylilies are in full sun. If If it doesn't have a bold, saturated color and 
and substance to back up what it's trying to say to me, then I need to just have it move on. It doesn't mean I know some hybridizers who have full programs on thin tissued, ethereal looking daylilies, Mm -hmm. you know, cloud like soft, almost translucent petals. There's a place for that. In someone else's garden, there is, you know, but for me in my green space in place, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't work for me. So that's also a big allure about daylilies is literally there's something for everyone. So if you don't like big, beefy, waxy, shiny, bright colored flowers, there's, there's nine other things, nine other genres just off the top of my head. That you can pick from. <laughs> at so, least, at least. Diversity's there for it sure. It is. That, that's the nice thing of having what almost, how many did Elizabeth say? Almost, almost 90,000. 90, yeah, yeah, we're at like 89,924 daylilies <laughs> that have been registered. And I, that's I a mean, lot. That's... I, but one has to really ask are there really. Is there really a need for 89,000 different daylilies? Well, when you like, start having the talk of distinction, yeah, you have to wonder like, about that. How, how many? How many? But there's no qualification. There's no quantification for registering a daylily. If you have $20 and time to fill out an online form, you can register a daylily. You can register 3,000 daylilies if you'd like. There's no oh, we already have some of those, thank you. Or there are already 6,000 yellow daylilies with a burgundy eye, can we stop? You know, like right. there's none of that. Nobody governs that. And and that's a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, <laughs> yeah. I guess. I mean, the American Daylily Society makes no money on the registration process. It's not, I, I'd like, I mean, to say those words directly might help people understand why we do what we do. You know, we don't, we don't require you to register daylilies so that we can make money on that because there's no money to be made. It's it's unethical, directly stated in our relationship um, with the ICNCP, the the global registering body for all plants. It's not allowed for us to make money on this process. So if we wanted to raise the registration rates to $40 and make you pay $40 to register a plant so we could fill our coffers, it's absolutely not allowed. We do not show a net profit, and we have never shown a net profit for registering daily. So that's by choice. As the 89000 grows to 100000 and grows and grows and grows <laughs> beyond that. I mean, most of the growth has happened the trend was fairly steady on how many new introductions were happening really for like the first 50 years of regis- of officially registering. But then probably in the last 20, 25 years, the spike of daylilies being registered each year, it grows every year, every year. So, well, and you know, people are learning that daylilies just aren't the ditch lilies. The daylilies are not just yellow. You're right. I love them. You're right. Or orange, my favorite. You know, that yeah. there's, it's a rainbow. You know? It is. And I think more people are being drawn to them when they learn what they really are. You're right. You're right. Some of my favorite, like specific cultivars, you know, not just a, a, a general statement of I like deeply saturated daylilies. I like some of my favorites from last year um, are Jean's Peach Dragon. I that's grow the, it. I love it. <laughs> oh, Jean Bowden. I love her. <laughs> I've actually, uh, I have, I've been talking to Jean this winter and I'm going to get like a whole boatload of Jean's things. You like, need to. In clump style. Mm-hmm. And she's going to let me distribute them for her. Oh. 
And so she's a fabulous, you know, there are she's so many people wonderful. that you would never, ever talk to. You know, you'd never, I've seen her present one time and she hated every minute of it, I think. But like, there are so many jewels in this yes, community. Absolutely. And, and most of them aren't the ones that are standing out in front of the parade. Right. You know, so I would encourage people to get to know all kinds of people mm-hmm. that are in daylilies and, and seek those people out. Seek out the hybridizers of the daylilies that make your heart sing, not just the hybridizers who are also really good at marketing. Not only are they good at marketing, they're good at making daylilies, but those two things aren't always inclusive of each other. So Jean's one of those people. So Jean's Peach Dragon is a remarkable daylily for me last year. Uh, If I think of a few others, I think of Pixie Daydream from Scott Elliott. That was uh, a double that rebloomed three different sets of scapes in my central Illinois garden, which is not always... You rebloom know, in the north is tough. Rebloom in the <laughs> in the north is tough, and rebloom scapes that look better than the original scapes also don't happen. So that's a remarkable one. And I'm not. I'm just. I'm thinking through my brain of the summer of 2018 and those daylilies that that popped for me. Um, Old King Cole is an that's older fantastic. one from Steve Moldovan yes. that and Mike Holmes. Uh, See me, feel me, touch, touch me, me. Yes. will never leave my garden. <laughs> um, and and a lot of the Brookwoods, Brookwood Black Kitten, Brookwood Wow, uh, Brookwood Impeccable, Brookwood's Winner's Circle, um, Brookwood Splendida. Those are, if you like porcelain, perfectly formed, round daylilies, you can never go wrong with a Brookwood. And I can cut any one of them on any show day in place. Absolutely. They're show quality 100%. So those are just a few cultivar. Nicole DeVito's Bulletproof, another Florida-born daylily that I will never be without. Um, Sheila Green, a Michigan-born daylily named John Culpa, um, is, is a deep plum purple daylily with very wide, very jagged white teeth on the petals and the sepals. It's spectacular. And perfectly um, named for it John is, <laughs> It is. And Michigan-born, um, yeah, Sheila Green hit a home run with that one. So those are just some that come to mind. I mean, if you ask me tomorrow, I'll think of six others. Um, but most of them I try, you know, I do a lot of sharing on Facebook, a lot of sharing on my blog. I've been blogging for 10 years at A Girl in Her Garden. And, uh, you know, a lot of stories of adventures and travels and my personal feelings on exhibition judging and exhibitions in general. You know, I I spend a lot of time yakking about that out there. So I get a lot of stuff off my chest by writing. But I share a lot of those pictures uh, on the blog. So if you want to see some other things of what I like, check it out. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so it, really quickly, I'm curious, you know, you're very active in the American Daylily Society, among other things. Yeah. Um, why do you think people should come to this organization? I have never regretted coming. It has been just a highlight for me to be a member. And it's hard for me to sometimes articulate, what is it? Because some of those things aren't tangible things. But I'm, I'm hoping that maybe somebody who is a little bit more ingrained could, could maybe share why join American Day Lily Society. I my number one reason for people when I try to promote membership is they say I don't you know, first of all, a one-year membership in the American Daylily Society is $25. And for that one-year membership, you'll get four 
gorgeously produced, glossy daylily magazines. They're amazing. And if you go to the store to buy a magazine, you most you know that most gardening magazines these days, they start at like $9.95 or $9.99 for a good one. Um, the number one reason that you should join the American Daylily Society is the fact that we publish a magazine four times a year. That's the number one reason. The number two reason that you should join the American Daily Society is that your feelings of obsession about something will be validated. You become, once you pay your $25 membership, you get this virtual feeling of belonging where you're not crazy for wearing a headlamp at 4.30 in the morning oh to go gosh. out into your garden and look at your plants. You might be a little bit crazy, but at least you know you're not the only one. I'm not crazy about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not crazy about that today. So I think, so two big points. I don't I don't want to get lost in one, reading tangible things, not scrolling through things on Facebook or reading a couple of PDFs online, like holding a tangible printed magazine that details the events of the organization, gives you upcoming opportunities for you to meet people in person, gives you personality profiles of people who are making these daylilies. It's my favorite part. Gives you daylily sources on where you can find daylilies. Gives you the opportunity to be educated so you can be a judge in the garden and at the show. There are just... The price of admission um, to be a member of the American Daylily Society, I don't I don't think that there's a better way to invest $25 in your own education about what you want to be obsessed with. If you're if you even know that there is an American Daylily Society, there should be no question that you want to be a part of that tribe so that you can validate your own knowledge, get new knowledge, establish yourself as an expert, write articles, learn how to photograph better. There's just so many channels that you can pick once you get in a door of like tribe. And that's really what it is. This, these are just fellow crazy people, <laughs> yeah. you know, and some of us are life members. You can buy a life membership. Uh, some of you can buy a three-year membership. You can buy a family membership. So your whole house can be voting members of the society. It's... um. My son's a member. Absolutely. You know, youth, youth memberships. We have club memberships. Um, we have institutional memberships where you can grant a membership to a botanical garden so that the botanical garden could receive our publications. You know, you, it is, no one can tell you to be a joiner. You're either a joiner or you're not. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't convince you that you need, I don't have a sales pitch. I don't have the elevator pitch on, look, I need your $25 and this is why. Um, I know that that if you have thought about being a member of the American Daily Society, that you should do it. At least give it one year. And if you're listening to this podcast after June 30th in any given year, our society also offers a trial membership, which gives you an opportunity to, to belong to us for a half a year. And you'll get half of what you would normally get. You'll get two publications, and that's fun, but it just gives you a little taste. I can't say that becoming a member is going to change your life, you know, or it's going to, it, it's about just investing in your place in a tribe that you want to be a part of. And and that's really the investment. You're making a choice to invest in your place in that tribe. And that's yeah. that's really it.
Yeah, I haven't regretted it, you no. know, and it's just been a wonderful thing. And I meet more and more people. I learn something new every time I meet someone. And the good news about the it's society, great. it's not exclusive. You At don't all. You don't have <laughs> to. We give away a lot of our best content for free. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not like, give us our $25 or you're not coming to this event. There are at the event we're at right now, there are people here who are not AHS members. You don't have to belong to the society to do most of these things. Um, But it's an investment. It's an investment in, we do, we offer scientific grants. We have several youth scholarships. We offer incentives to local clubs who have high percentages of memberships. So we give back a lot. We give, we give back a lot to the community that invests in us. Well, and at the end of the day, if you're asking me why you should join, then maybe you probably shouldn't. You know, or I can't. Why I, shouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't. It's like, I, like you're going to church. You know, if you if you have to ask the, if you have to ask, well, why should I come to church? And I'm not, I'm not relating being in the daily society to being a religious experience whatsoever. That's not what I'm. I'm just saying, if you have to ask well, why should I? Then you probably shouldn't because those reasons are, they should be inherent. They should be, they should come. Intrinsic, internal. Absolutely, absolutely. They should be, you want to make an investment in your new obsession and and we're the premier organization for you to do that. No one else on the planet has invested more time, resources, and brilliant minds over the last 73 years than the American Daily Society. So being a part of that tribe is important and it's a good investment. Do you do presentations? Can I do. people have you come to their clubs and say, hey, let me teach you about XYZ? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do um I do dozens of presentations in a given year, topics from how to use technology in a better way. You know, you could use PowerPoint, you could use Camtasia. You can use Facebook. You can use so many uh, pieces of technology. Technology is a great garden tool. And I have lots of presentations about technology. I do presentations on lots of my daily travels, um, specifically spending two years as the national president. Um, I saw 28 states um, just in those two years. And so I get the opportunity to visit a lot of gardens and see a lot of daylilies that I normally wouldn't see. And so I have several presentations that are, I call them daylily travels with Nikki. So you can come with me on the national conventions that I do, regional conventions that I do, all of those trips. Sometimes I, one year I went to the Mecca in Florida and saw a bunch of gardens. I said Mecca, like everybody would know what that is. Uh, the state of Florida used to, there used to be a very high concentration of daylily hybridizers in the state of Florida. Uh, 70s, 80s, early 90s, Florida was seriously the place to be. So they called it Mecca, where Everybody comes. Yeah. If not thousands of daylily lovers from all over the country every May would descend upon the state of Florida and travel from garden to garden by their own cars. Some of the clubs would have ice cream socials. Some of the clubs would have auctions. All the gardens would give things away and people would go home with truckloads of daylilies from Florida and head north. Um, And then in the early 2000s, we were visited by rust. And Florida, due to the climate, and again, not a scientist, nor am I an expert on rust, but Florida and its climate was perfect for 
the saturation Absolutely. of rust. Humidity. Yeah. And so <laughs> Warm. rust was coming home. Rust was coming to the north on people's clothes, on plants, on shipments of no fault, no malicious. It, it was just a, a, almost an epidemic of mm-hmm. things that happened. And so in the early 2000s, a lot of large hybridizing operations in Florida either moved north or consolidated and moved somewhere else or just decided that you know, this is the end of this wonderful paradise road that we've been on. And so I have been to Mecca several times and have lots of pictures from those trips. So my presentations are, again, that that travel through the tapestry of my gardening life. You know, I don't give presentations on my hybridizing program, and these are all of my seedlings, and here are crosses, and parent A and parent B, and look at my seed trays. Like, that's not me. I'm more of a, I'm an enthusiast. I'm a collector. Um, I do presentations on how to host a daily show. Uh, yeah, a lot of technology, uh, a lot of judging. I give judging classes. Um, I what else? What other kinds of presentations? I think that's probably it. Between that's a lot, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's enough. <laughs> it is enough. And so um, it, people can find a list of all of the presentations that I give. I've also done tons of custom presentations for clubs. Um, I'm doing one for Mississippi in May. Um, they want to know. They wanted a presentation called "My Life in AHS." And they want to know, like, and I'm like, okay, well, that would be a fun presentation. So it's a new presentation for this year that I'm doing just for Region 14. Um, I'll be doing that at their regional meeting in May for the wonderful Mr. Earl uh, and Miss Barbara Watts uh, invited me to come. And that's going to be wonderful to see them again in May. So uh, presentations of all kinds. There's a list on A Girl in Her Garden. Again, there's a whole page on uh, who is the girl and what in the world does she talk about. And you can see a lot of those presentations Fantastic. out there. And so if somebody wanted to contact you, that's where they should go. Absolutely. You can go to A Girl in Her Garden um, and you can find me there. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, my phone number and my personal email is published in all AHS leadership publications as well. You're kind of easy to find. Unfortunately, I am easy to find. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it, all of those methods of communication work perfectly. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> having this chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's fun. You know, you could talk about things. We could probably talk about each one of those things for two hours. But easy. It's, easy, it's yes. super fun. Yeah. And if anybody wants to continue a conversation, I'd be happy to have one. Yeah, it's yes. a pleasure. Perfect. Thank you. Um, do you. Before we go, do you want to give a little blurb about your podcasts that we have kind of working and brewing here? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really excited to be kind of doing a legacy project there. Uh, in 1995, the Society published a book called A 50-Year Affair, and it was about the first 50 years, the early formation of the Daily Society. And it's a it's kind of a personality profile of the Society's first 50 years. And I read that book about maybe 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, I read the book. And in it are nuggets of information that cannot be found anywhere else. They're stories told right from the people who lived the story at the time. There are stories in the book from actual charter members of the AHS in their words um, who were actually still alive 
when this book was done in the early 90s. And so uh, over the last year, I've really been brewing. I wanted to do a spoken word project. I wanted to, and I'm a huge addict of audiobooks. That's another part of Private Nikki that I love. <laughs> There's always an audiobook going. Um, and so I thought, at first I thought I'd make an audiobook. I'd make a 50-year affair into a real audiobook with chapters and you can mm-hmm. play it on Audible. But then... Um, after speaking to a few people about that format, I kind of thought that it would be more fun to tell the story in a serial way, do it over the course of several episodes, and then insert my own color commentary to how that chapter relates to today or how those people affected people that are today. So I'm taking a 50-year affair. I'm reading it chapter by chapter aloud. The first three episodes are already out. And they are amazing. They're super fun. They're so good. Hopefully by the time you hear this, there will be more episodes. There are two um, that are in the can now that are just waiting to be put up. So I envision it'll probably be maybe 12 or 13 episodes altogether. But it'll just be an encapsulated project. So at the end of it, you could play episode one, play them straight through, and you'll basically hear me read the book to you in hopefully a fun format. And there are only a few copies of that book even still in existence, new. You know, you can find used ones, obviously, anywhere. But the the number of new copies that exist right now are really less than 20 on the entire earth. That's and, fantastic. And as but, I say at the beginning of the podcast, you know, once they're gone, I mean, so gone. are the stories, yeah. you know, so... I needed to capture that, and thanks for letting me say a a little bit about that, because it's an important project for me and the legacy of the Society, and I'm hoping to write the 75th anniversary book for the Society, and so... I hope you do, too. That's so exciting. (laughs) You know, if the Board of Directors would approve that project, and if the Society wants to publish that in some way, it's a project that I would want to do. So this is also a primer to... Um, building that 75-year legacy that hopefully somebody else will read someday yes. in the future. So yeah, Wonderful. That's it. That's All it. All right. Well, thank you so much again. And thank this has you. been fun. You're a rock star. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank Enjoy. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the show, I humbly request that you subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Help others find us by sharing your favorite episode with a colleague. And if you sincerely enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star rating in iTunes. Visit humblehemorrhaholic.com. That's humble, H-U-M-B-L-E, hemorrhaholic, H-E-M-E-R-O-H-O-L-I-C, all one word, dot com for a full list of episodes, show summaries, and to subscribe. Got a specific question? Want to sit down and have a conversation? Or simply want to give feedback? Contact me at Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A, at Veroven, V-E-R-O-E-V-E-N.com. The Humble Hemorrhaholic is a part of the Daylily Pods podcasting network. Visit daylilies.online for more Daylily podcasts.